fantastic. That was the best welcome up I've ever had in my life, so thank you for that. That was great. All right, so uh, I am continuing our series on Unstoppable Tonight's. And my title is Forget Me Nots for Life. And to start off, actually, I have a video uh, to kick us off. Brittany showed me this video some time ago, uh, and so she gets some credit for this right here. And she actually thought of this to include in my message, so let's cue up the video. So, uh, I didn't have like a 
horrible week. It wasn't, you know, earth-shatteringly bad. I just had a rough week. It, it was hard. I dealt with a lot of frustration um, and stress. So, to explain how my week went to you, I have to let you know on, let you in on something about me. I have Tourette's syndrome. So, if you ever have, hear me shouting curse words, I have a really good excuse, right? That's a terrible joke. Good job, I'm laughing. Good job, I'm proud of you guys. Wow, that's nice. No, that's not okay. PSA, that's not actually Tourette's. That's a like a sub uh, issue that some people who have Tourette's deal with. It's a very small percentage of people who have Tourette's. Okay. That's not what my talk's about, just wanted to let you know. Uh, I get that question a lot when I tell people I have threats, so I just thought I'd just let all you guys know. There might have been a question that popped up in your mind. Uh, no, if I'm shouting curse words, it's not because of my threats, it's because I'm not being careful with my words, so call me out for it. Um, Alright, but one thing that threats does do for me is it makes getting this kind of work done really hard. Reading, writing, creative thinking, it makes it very difficult, near impossible, when my threats is bothering me. And I could try to explain to you, but that would take like the whole night. It's kind of weird to explain, but you just believe, okay? We're dealing with it since I was like six. Um, one thing that makes it worse is when I'm stressed. It's this almost hilariously vicious cycle, okay? Can you imagine me last week sitting down? I got this like three hour chunk of my day blocked out for working on this message I'm sharing with you right now. And I sit down at my computer and my thread starts bothering me, okay? I'm thinking, Oh no, this needs to get done. Like, I've got to work on it. This is the time I allotted. So I start stressing a little bit. Okay? What does that do? Makes our threats worse. Okay? It's like comedically vicious uh, for me in that moment. I actually sometimes think it's a little bit funny, and then I just get really frustrated. Uh, but, you know, it's so silly. It's like, ah, I'm stressed out because I need to get this done. Now my threats are bothering me, which means I'm not getting it done, which makes me stress out more, which then makes me frustrated, which also makes Tourette's worse, okay? It's really ridiculous. Um, so, I'm excited for not having Tourette's whenever I'm in heaven because that'll be awesome. Uh, so, another thing, like I said, stress makes it worse. And something else happened last week. I figured out that I had mismanaged my money. I get paid once a month. I had mismanaged my money. And I had about two and a half weeks until my next paycheck came, and I would be scraping by to buy groceries for myself, my wife, and my 10-month-old son. Okay, thus far in my life, I'm 26 now, I have faced, I don't know if I've faced anything more stressful and frustrating than feeling like I'm not sure if I can buy a sufficient amount of groceries for my family. Okay, or at least if you, like, I don't, you know, we're like trying to go for the top ramen and peanut butter diet again. Um, you know, as, a, as like a, an adult with, with a full-time job, it's really frustrating and stressful and it does not feel good. So, at the end of the week, quite frankly, I felt like throwing myself the greatest Great Gatsby-style pity party of all time. Okay, that is how I legitimately felt. All right, it was going to be great, let me tell you what, okay? But that is really just a form of stopping, okay? Giving into that temptation, throwing a pity party, just distracting myself, whatever I'm you know, binge watching. I, I mentioned this a little bit ago in the talk, but binge watching Stranger Things, okay? I still love it. I'm super stoked for the next season. Um, you know, that's like a real, that's a real temptation. Uh, you know, just distracting myself instead of dealing with the, the problems or the, you know, the struggles. Or throwing a huge pity party here, or whatever the temptation looks like. They're all different forms of stopping. So, thankfully, God had lined up for me to be preparing this talk. 
too late. And finally, by the end of the week, uh, I think God, 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 it through my thick skull that the stuff I was had been preparing for several weeks now was really meant for me. I was needing to apply it to my life last week. It took me all week to figure this out. Eventually, uh, I figured it out. So I've got three specific things I'm going to be talking to you about. Three things we need to remember when we're tempted to stop. And I got all these from my quiet times. I've been reading when I spent time alone with God. I've been reading through Genesis. And I've been reading about the story of Joseph. And when I was thinking about talking about the topic of Unstoppable, immediately what came to mind was the story of Joseph I just read. And I was like, that dude was unstoppable. So that's where all of these points come from. Uh, so the first point is, remember God loves you. Alright? Remember God loves you. So quick, very quick uh, synopsis on, uh, on Joseph's story thus far. Um, so, Joseph's born, okay? No, I guess I don't need to include that detail, but he's born. Uh, at some point, he, he's a teenager, he has this dream that he's going to get put into this place of importance and authority. Okay? That's pretty cool. Cool thing to happen to him. Uh, next thing we find out, his own brothers sell him into slavery to supposedly never be seen again. That's really sucky. Alright? Um, next thing, he keeps his faith in God and gets recognized for hard work he's doing while he's working as a slave in Egypt. And he gets promoted to the head of the household of the captain of Pharaoh's guard. That's good-ish. I mean, he's still a slave, so it's not really good, but it's good-ish. Uh, it's kind of cool. And then, the wife of the captain of the guard pulls a straight-up Desperate Housewives Egypt edition and tries to get him to sleep with her. Alright? So ridiculous. Alright? Bad. Alright, that's bad. Uh, Joseph's demand, and he says no. Good. And then she accuses him of rape. Bad. Okay? This is where we meet up with uh, Joseph's story, uh, right here in verse 39. So, the captain's wife accuses him of rape, and, oh, here we go. It says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So when I was doing my quiet times, I got to this point, and I paused. Did you guys catch? Did you guys catch it? I'm positive none of Joseph's fellow slaves were chatting, and I'm like, dude, did you hear what happened to Joseph? Like that was crazy. Talk about hashtag blessed. That dude just got accused of rape and got thrown in a dungeon to die. Nobody was saying that about him. Nobody was going to say that about him. But check out this verse. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. I can imagine it's probably the worst place. And he was there in prison. But God was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. So when I was reading my quiet time, when I came across that verse, I was like, I don't, is this like out of place? I feel like that needs to be put in a different part of Joseph's story. Like he got accused, falsely accused of rape, thrown in prison, and God was showing him love and was with him. That, uh, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. But here's, the fact remained true. God did love him, and God was with him. 
That, that's one of the takeaway from that quiet time was. When I was reading this verse in my quiet time, I was like, wow, that's a huge truth that that verse is telling me here. Joseph's circumstances did not look like God was with him. It did not look like God was showing love on him at that point in his life. That did not dictate reality. The reality was God was with him, and God did love him. If you hear nothing else tonight, please like tune your ear in right now and listen. Because for us today, we have no excuse to ever forget God's love for us. I love what God's word says in Romans 5.8. It says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's Romans 5.8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This last week for me, when I was struggling with frustration, disappointment, stress, this was the main thing that helped me pull out of it. I was remembering the most important thing about my life is how much God loves me. He loved me to the point of dying on the cross to pay for the mistakes, all the bad things I had ever done. Because that's what we can put our faith in. That's what I'm sure Joseph must have put his faith in. He put his faith in a God who loved him and who would love him at his darkest moments in his life. Because God does show us steadfast love. That is the reality. And he, he proved it to us by dying on the cross for us in our darkest moment. God knew the worst thing I would ever do in my entire life, and he still died for me to bridge the gap that my mistakes had created between myself and God. So I have, I have no excuse for ever forgetting how much God loves me. So just like Joseph, we can have faith in God, even when our situation looks bad, because we know he, we, our situation cannot dictate his love. Not even my own mistakes can dictate his love for me. Joseph could have thrown in the towel and lost faith in God. I seriously doubt I will ever face the kind of trials Joseph faced in his life. And I've already faced temptation to throw in the towel with my faith with God at this point in my life. If he had thrown in the towel, he would have never experienced the blessings that were to come with the plan God had in store for him. That's the key. If he had, he had lots of opportunities to throw in the towel. If he had, he would not have experienced the blessings that were going to come that God had planned for him after these trials he was going through. That's the next point, is remember God has a plan. Remember that God has a plan. Now the Bible says sometime later, the Pharaoh had some officials thrown in jail. So Joseph's been in jail for some time. I don't, I don't know exactly how long it's been. Uh, but for some time, he's been in jail now. The officials have some crazy dreams. They're freaking out about him. Joseph interprets their dreams. He tells one of them, uh, so in like three days, you're going to get killed. And then the other one, hey, in three days, you're going to get restored to your position with the Pharaoh. Okay? So Joseph, very smartly, talks to the one who's going to get restored to his position with Pharaoh. And is like, hey, when you're back with the Pharaoh, like, remember me. All right? Like, like give me a shout out. Because you can imagine, this is his one shot. Now, he wasn't going to be up for parole anytime soon. That's not, that's not how it worked. This was, this was like this glimmer of hope in his abysmal life at this point. He's been a slave 
and that he's been jailed, both things unjustly. And now he's got this, this glimmer of hope of, oh man, I've got a connection directly to the Pharaoh. I've got a life through this dude. God just used me to interpret his dream. He's going to give me a good word with the Pharaoh. I'm going to actually have hope of getting out of here. This is what God's had in store for me. This is it. So the next day comes. And he's like, okay, yeah, like, I mean, he's, he just got, he just got out of prison. Like, he's visiting his family and stuff like that. Like, he, he's still going to remember me, right? So day two comes. And Joseph's like, oh, well, he, he's probably got work to catch up on. You know, he's been in jail, then, you know, that official. And so he's going to still remember when we talk to the fair. You know, day three comes. He's like, all right, maybe he had, like, some house clean to do. I don't know. I just, <laughs> come on, bro. Like, you know, at some point, he had to click for him that, it might not happen. You know, that, that, might have, that might not happen. Two years go by. Okay? Two years go by. Over 700 individual days since this glimmer of hope came into Joseph's life as he is in prison. And he did not lose hope. So we've got Genesis 41 1 says, it says, After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing in the Nile. So at this point, finally, that official's like, oh, I remember that dude who interpreted my dream. It kind of jogs his memory and stops being a jerk and actually talks to the Pharaoh uh, for Joseph. I can't imagine how like, stressful and difficult and, and draining that would have been on Joseph's life going through those years in prison with seemingly no hope of getting out. But it, the Bible tells us that Joseph remained, like he kept his faith in God through that time. In Genesis 50, 20, 21, Joseph says that God had a plan through all of the trials, and that in the end, God's plan was for good, despite the evil intentions of people who got him to this place in his life. So the danger we face in our life when we don't remember that God has plans for us is that we focus on the problems that are right in front of us, because our problems are real. The problems we face in life are very real, they're very tangible. And oftentimes we start focusing on the problems right in front of us. And it makes us forget about the fact that God loves us and God has a plan for us, and he's with us through our problems. He's not absent from our lives in that time. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Does that sound familiar? It sounds exactly like Joseph's whole life right there in a verse. Or you might have thought, yeah, that kind of sounds like, sounds like my life. Like I've, I've lived out, I've seen that reality happen. So at this point, I've got to do a quick summary to catch up uh, through Joseph's life, okay? Dream is important. Sold into slavery, gets promoted, gets accused of rape, thrown into prison, left for dead, has a chance to make a connection with the Pharaoh, <laughs> doesn't happen for two years. Finally, the uh, official remembers him two years later. And then what happens next? At this point, 13 years have gone by, just so you know. He gets originally sold as slavery at the age of 17. And it wasn't until the age of 30 that he finally got to go and speak with the Pharaoh. Okay, 13 
years. That's over 4,700 individual days that he was either a slave or in prison in ancient Egypt. I'm not a history buff, but I can imagine that those are bad conditions, okay? 4, 000, over 4,700 days he's in that context. And then, this is crazy, and now, after all that time, God fulfills his promise he gave to Joseph when he was young, that he gave Joseph through that dream. He promotes him from a prisoner to second in command over all of Egypt. Okay? Best promotion ever. Am I right? <laughs> then, in that position, he saves millions of people's lives. There's huge famine. You can go read the story for yourself. Huge famine. God told him about it. He prepared for it ahead of time. He saved millions of people's lives in Egypt and all the surrounding lands, including his own family who sold him into slavery as a king. He saves their lives through the position God put him in after 13 years. So here's the last, with that quick cursory over his life, here's the last point, is remember, God wants you to work hard. God wants you to work hard. The thing we don't get to see in Joseph's story is what his day-by-day -day life actually looked like for those over 4,700 individual days. We get to see some really high, Highlights and low, low lights. Well, you don't get to see what his day-by-day, hour-by-hour life looked like as a slave and as a prisoner. Okay? But we do get some little peeks into what he was doing during that time. Uh, Genesis 39, 2-3, it says, The Lord is with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master, his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So it says he's working. When he's working with his hands, he's doing stuff. And it's giving credit to God. God is the one who made it succeed. But what did God make succeed? The work he was doing. He took, so Joseph was working his butt off as a slave. Okay. And God blessed that the hard work that he was doing in extremely unjust circumstances. Uh, the next verse is 39 22. It says, And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. So he goes from working his butt off as a slave, then he gets unjustly thrown in prison. Circumstances only get worse for him. And now, he's still working his butt off as a prisoner, okay? That's just so fascinating to me. He had no material, like, you know, ambition in this. He wasn't trying to, like, rack up a better pension plan for when he retired from his days in prison. You know, that wasn't all part of his motivation. Uh, you know, don't try to, like, you know, network and connect so he could, you know, maybe shift divisions and, you know, get this and he wanted. That was not what he was doing. He was just working Hard because he knows what God wanted him to do. He had faith in God through that time. Have you ever felt like you were in a grind? I have. You just like, you've got all this work to do, and it's just annoying. You just don't want to do it anymore. It seems the same thing every single day. You're doing the same thing, going to the same job, doing the same homework, doing the same quiz every week. It's just a grind. There's a grind to work, and it is real. And there's a real temptation to stop to get lazy, 
to not do your work to the fullest of your capabilities. God wants you to work hard through those times. That's what Joseph did, and you saw what the result of his hard work was. God blessed him and ended up making crazy things happen. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, this dramatically applies to Joseph, but soon as what he was doing as you're working as a slave and as in prison. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for men. If we stop because you know we give up on that that daily grind of working, you know, taking care of the small things, the responsibilities we know we should be doing, we'll never experience the big days that come as a result of the daily grind. As I think, the, the big days don't happen after you sit around on your butt all day eating pizza, you know, drinking grape soda. It's not how it happens. You don't, you don't do that and then all of a sudden graduate from college. It's not how it works. You go to class. You do your homework. You study. You take your quiz. You take your test. You read your book. And then after all those years, then you graduate from college. It's the daily grind that gets you to those points. <laughs> Check out, uh, sometimes you should check out Luke 16.10. I'm going I'm to talk to you about Galatians 6.9 that says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Jesus, Joseph did not give up. He was unstoppable because of his faith in God, and in the end, God did crazy things through him. But 13 years later, 13 years later is when he saw God do crazy things with through him. So you guys, that's like when I was when I was doing my quiet time on this, that was one of the biggest things that stuck out to me. So I was like, man, I have a hard time working at something for like a year. I'm like, oh my goodness, like I'm so sick of this. Like, can I please move on? You know, you know how it is. You're, we we want immediate results for the work we do, um, but that's just not how life works. So to wrap up, so remember I told you at the beginning of our message. Uh, that I didn't have the best week last week. Well, that is a good thing. I'm thankful that happened to me last week. Because through that, God used it to help me put my faith in Him and trust Him and ride through that difficult week. And look to His Word for answers when I was struggling to find motivation. And that's exactly what God was doing in Joseph's life during those 13 years. Psalm 105.19 gives us a little glimpse of this. It says, Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. This is something we can remember when we're tempted to stop. When we're tempted to stop, remember, God just might be working on your character right now. Alright? And you're not going to see the blessing that will come out on the other side of it if you stop. So next time you're tempted to stop, remember that God loves you. That's huge. You have to have that baseline. You have to have your faith in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. But that, that is the foundation that is necessary for any, any other part of my talk. You've got to believe God loves you. And that he has a plan for you. And that you work hard to glorify him. Like It will pay off in the end. Let's pray.